Genesis chapter 2, it seems like it's been forever since we have been in our study here in the book of Genesis. We're doing this study in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. The title of this series is In the Beginning. When Jesus was asked a question about marriage, do you know where he took them back to? In the beginning. Basically went back to the book of Genesis. And that's what we're doing. Our society has been so confused on so many different issues. And there have been so many different definitions and how important it is to see what God intended right in the beginning. Well, look, if you will, at Genesis chapter 2. I want to begin reading in verse number 18, and I will read to verse 23. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Tonight I want to go ahead and share this subject here. I made mention this morning the title we have it in the bulletin. It's the question, what is a woman? So let's go ahead and pray together. Father in heaven, I pray for tonight, for these few moments, that you indeed would guide us, our understanding, and thank you for the scriptures, how reliable they are, how true they are. They're your holy words, inspired by you. And may we not look to the world for definitions, for answers, but may we truly come back to the Bible and see what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. I know preaching is not about feelings, but let me give you about my feelings about preaching on a subject like this tonight. I feel like I'm skating on thin ice when I'm talking about women, all right? So please understand tonight that as I share this very valuable subject, I'm not here to step on toes, but it's very important that we do have a proper understanding of this subject. We live in a weird time, really, when the world is having a hard time defining what a woman really is. A little over a year ago, when Judge Kentonji Brown was going through her confirmation hearing as a Supreme Court nominee, she was asked by the Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn this question, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Jackson appeared confused and responded by stating, I'm not a biologist. 
There was another government official not long ago was asked the same question, but this time he refused to answer. In fact, this question, what is a woman, has startled so many that not long ago there was a conservative website, The Daily Wire, and Matt Walsh had produced a film titled, What is a Woman? It is a 90-minute collection of interviews and questions on gender identity. Now, I haven't watched it myself, but as I read some of the reviews and saw different things, the film, though done very well, leaves a person frustrated because even the most highly educated people had a hard time answering that question. Now, truthfully, whether it's out of ignorance or whether it's because people are advocating for a certain philosophy, our country is becoming very confused on some very basic matters of life. And what is confusing is the fact that our society, for a very long time, has clamored for women's rights. And now we can't even define what a woman is. And now we're facing a time when the transgender society has pressed to allow men to identify as a woman if he so desires. And that begins to also unravel and jeopardize the classic answer of what a woman is. We've allowed ourselves, sadly many Christians have fallen into this trap, to become politically correct If I were to just give a simple definition of a woman, a woman is a female because she was created with the XX chromosomes and has a reproductive system that is ordered toward mothering. Now that definition may serve to be a little incomplete as far as the whole broad perspective of how God created women. And that's why we go back to the book of Genesis and see what God has set in motion when He created women. And I think there's two things that you must get in the introduction. First of all, God created a woman. A person does not decide to become a woman. Secondly, God uniquely created woman as someone special. So those two things are very important to understand at the outset. And really, that's the crux of the matter today. Most of you here today might be able to define, like myself, what a woman is and see that there are two different genders or sexes that God created, male and female, and that they are physically different. But it has become increasingly popular to have a warped view of what a woman is. According to some secular apologists, they believe that the Bible writers viewed women as inferior creatures who are less valuable than men and do not deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. There's a man many years ago who was a contemporary of Billy Graham. His name was Charles Templeton. When Billy Graham was at the crossroads of what he was going to do with his life, he yielded himself to God while Charles Templeton went off to seminary and became an avowed uh, skeptic of Christianity. And here's what he wrote, Charles Templeton. The Bible is a book by and for men. 
The women in it are secondary creatures and usually inferior. In addition, he said, the God of the Bible and various Bible writers are accused of hating women. I'll be honest with you, it's sad that we force things into reading the Bible. You look in the New Testament, look at how Jesus elevated women. Look at how Paul spoke in Romans 16. Look at the women that Paul ministered to in the various cities that he went around to. In his book, The God Delusion, Richard Dawkins stated that the God of the Bible is... um, In fact, I'm just having a hard time pronouncing the word right now. uh, Misogynic... Never mind. Yeah, Misogynistic, that's, yeah, I don't know why I was having a hard time with that. Um, I've heard that word numbers of times, but uh, thank you. Um, I don't think, though, that God leaves things ambiguous if we would just take a little bit of time and study some things out. So let's explore this passage of Scripture and see what two things here. First of all, according to Genesis 2, these verses that we read, I want you to know what a woman is not. And then I want you to notice what a woman is. So what a woman is not. Are you with me so far? Ladies, would you give me a hearty amen? Okay, good. I just want to make sure I'm I'm still on ice, okay? Uh, It's quite interesting to notice from this passage that God does not give us a lecture on what a woman is or what a woman is not. In fact, here's what God does in Genesis 2. God invites us, if you will, into His laboratory, and He shows us what He did. Two things stand out to me in this particular series here. First of all, God makes a statement. He makes a statement, and here it is. It's not good. Now, doesn't that strike you for just a moment? Because everything we've studied up to this point, God made this, He said it was good. God made this, said it was good. God made this, said it was good. And all of a sudden, He comes to this spot, and He says, Uh-oh, this is not good. Now, it's not that God went, mm, I made a mistake, I, I, I made a boo-boo. No, that wasn't God. It was this. There was still something that was not complete. You see, everything that God had created up to this point, He made it, and He said, That's done. It's complete. But when he made man, he brought him through, and he said it's not good in the idea that it's not complete. But second thing that really strikes me is that God initiates in fulfilling man's need. I'm going to just draw on this a little bit later, but does it not strike you these words that God actually brought Eve to Adam? Sometimes we think to ourselves about our needs. Well, God just doesn't understand. No, God understands. He knows what your needs are. And God has the very ability to bring what is needed to you if you trust Him. So, these two things are important. Now, let's get into what a woman is not. First of all, I want you to note this. A woman is not... A servant. A woman is not a servant. Now, before Eve is created, Adam is given a task by God in naming all the animals. Can you imagine that? I, I, I tried to imagine how long that would take. I don't know, maybe at least a few hours. 
Having all these animals come through and Adam looking at them and noticing their characteristics, noticing everything about them, and actually naming them. He looks at their actions, he sees the appearances of them, and he gives them a particular name. And Adam's ability and his authority to name all these animals goes back to a sermon that I preached earlier in Genesis on the cultural mandate, the fact that Adam and Eve had dominion over the earth as well as the animal world. You see that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. And as Adam is naming these animals, here's something interesting. Adam is seeing these animals in pairs. Mr. and Mrs. Bunny are together. Mr. and Mrs. Elephant are together. Mr. and Mrs. Kangaroo are paired up. All of these animals are paired up, but he notices something as well, is that these animals provide some type of service to mankind. Whether it be the opportunities later down the road for food, for riding, for plowing, whatever it may be. But these animals are used for the purpose of service. Adam and Eve have dominion over them. And after all is said and done with this gigantic task of naming all the animals, Adam comes to the realization that there's nothing for him. Those animals are paired. Each animal provides some service, they provide some enjoyment, but there's no true companionship for him. And God, that's where he says, I will make and help meet for him. Now the word help means one who would assist or support, and the word meet comes from a word which means in front of. Eve was created to be the aid or the helper, and she was the one that most corresponded to Adam. The idea of these words put together, help meet, refer to the fact that the one that God made directly from Adam was to be his counterpart, was to be his complement. So how interesting here that as Eve is brought to Adam, he doesn't look at her and go, uh, go get me my supper now. Do this. No, no. This was his counterpart. A help meet for him that they together would do the work that God has called them. Second thing that a woman is not is a woman is not a sex object. Not a sex object. It's quite sad that too many have relegated women simply to the physical aspect of their creation. Now there's two sides to understanding this perspective. Number one, there is the playboy mentality that women are for sexual pleasure only or merely as an object to lust after for her beauty. That's one side. On the other side of this is the notion, sadly, that some have of women that they were merely simply created for having babies and becoming a mother. Now, while the first mentality, that is the playboy mentality, is wrong, the second mentality is incomplete. While woman was created beautiful, in fact, I like to look at this, look at chapter 2, if you will, when Adam has Eve brought to her, what does he call her? I like to think to himself, he looks at her, he says, whoa, man, 
I mean, gorgeous, beautiful. Imagine God making her. She was created as a beautiful object, uniquely created by God. And while a woman was created as a person capable of carrying to term a baby and delivering that baby, that is not the full essence of a woman. I researched once again, there were at least seven women in the Bible who were barren. Now six women actually finally came through and gave birth. I mean, 90 years old, Sarah, how many of you at 90 would like to go ahead and have a baby? I mean, think about that. Giving birth here. But there was one lady who the Bible does not record that, that actually gave birth. So there are many that are in society today, especially, and since Bible days, who may not have married, may not have been able to have children. And so you ask yourself this question, does that make that woman any less a woman? No. Because as we'll see a bit later, there is something special, yes, in the function of women to be able to nurture and bring to term a baby, but there's something more special even about a woman in having those gifts and abilities, whether they have a child or not. Number three thing about what a woman is not. A woman is not separate. She's not separate. This third thing that I want you to see is that woman is not separate from man And I want you to understand it correctly. There is a distinction and a difference between men and women. There is. But when the Bible says in the New Testament, and this is sad because some that try to erase the genders or try to add a bunch of genders often will, if they use a Bible verse, will go to Galatians 3.28, where they'll say, well, the Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither male nor female. No, no, no. That's talking in the context of, of, of salvation here. It is saying that we're all equally created under God, and God is willing to save all of mankind, no matter what race you're from, no matter what gender you are. But now when it comes to men... And women, as God has created them, there are differences. A woman is not separate because she was taken out of man. She may have a different anatomy, different hormones, different muscle mass, but a woman is equal to a man spiritually. And earlier when I preached on the subject of gender, there were two sermons that I preached on that, We noted some obvious points in God's creation. Both men and women are created in the image of God. God created male and female in the image of God. Both men and women were given the creation mandate. You look again, Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, God blessed them, that's plural, and He said unto them, He gave them that cultural mandate. Again, I, I hear people say, well, this is, a, this is a man's world. No, this is God's world. And he's given the responsibility to both men and women to care for, to rule, and to fill the earth. So a woman is not these three areas that I talked about. Now let's turn to the positive side and see what a woman is. Three things that I want to give to you here. First of all, a woman is responsive. 
I want you to notice verse 18, this little phrase here. It is the words, help meet. Look again towards the end of verse number 20. The same words are used again, help meet. What is that referencing? Eve was his counterpart. Woman is man's counterpart to help him in whatever way necessary. I've played on plenty of ball teams, basketball team. I've played soccer from time to time. And I've understood in every team, if you play sports, that when you have a good team that is functioning properly and is winning, every person on the team must know their role. Am I right, Brother Blake? And every person has got to know, this is my role. I may be a scorer. I may not be a scorer. I may be an assist person, I may do this, but every person has their role. For over 20 years, I had the privilege of serving as an associate pastor. I love being an assistant. In fact, some days when I find that everything just piles on as a senior pastor, I think to myself, I start dreaming about those days being an assistant. You know what I mean? But as an assistant, I knew what my role was. I didn't preach on a regular basis, but I did have opportunities. When the pastor was gone, I did preach. There were things that I did to to undertake for him, and I knew what my role was. A marriage works well when each spouse learns their roles and fulfills it. What is that? What are the roles of a husband and wife? Well, a husband, in my mind, according to the Scripture, is to lovingly lead his wife. A wife is to willingly follow that loving leadership and help that husband wherever she may. So as you look here at Genesis chapter 2, you might ask the question, what way was Eve created as a help meet for him? Well, think about this. How in the world could Adam by himself be fruitful and multiply? I mean, just the obvious right there. Eve was also there to help him tend the garden, have dominion over the animals. Think about it, a large task fulfilling all this. And yet, as time has gone on, it didn't even take one chapter and Satan comes in and begins attacking God's order, does he not? I mean, who does he come to? He comes to Eve. And as we've gone on over the hundreds and hundreds of years, it is amazing to me how Satan wants to come in and attack the woman and get her away from her role, her God-given role as a help meet. How is the devil attacking? Well, first of all, please note this. The devil has attacked the womb by generating support for abortion. In their book, The Grand Design, Owen Strand and Gavin Peacock state that by targeting children in the womb, he, that is Satan, guts a key part of the glory of womanhood. They go on further to say that he, Satan, ruins an incredible gift of God. Secondly, I notice here how Satan has come in to attack here the role that woman has of being a helpmeet is through the philosophy of feminism, trying to turn women and men against each other, trying to turn women independent from men, if you will. Truthfully, 
There is such a beautiful connection that anything contrary to, is anti-biblical and against God's order of creation. When you look at how God has brought men and women together, there's a beautiful connection here that God has intended. I want you to do me a favor here. Hold your place in Genesis. Go over, if you will, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to read two verses right from that passage of Scripture. First Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse 11. The Bible says, Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Now really what these verses are telling us is that each, that is man and women, depend on each other. Women depend on men for life, if you will. Men can only be born through a woman. Or maybe look at it this way. A man should never think that he does not need a woman in his life. Let me just tell you, your life depended on you coming to life. Your life depended on a woman when you were in the womb. You and I were helpless. We were fed by a woman's nutrients. We were kept safe within her body until the day that we were born. And what God is saying is there's an interconnectedness here between men and women. The role of helper comes in mind within the marriage relationship. When you think here of this interconnectedness, you say, well, you know what, uh, you know, I'm just a slave around the house. I just do this. No, I want to tell you something. There's something valuable about a husband taking the role of lovingly leading his wife and a wife coming in and willingly following that leadership and helping where she may. You know, I've met a lot of men who aren't smart in certain areas, in a lot of areas. But when they married a particular woman, I found that that woman was gifted in that area where they were weak. For instance, I've met some men who are terrible with finances. Well, their wife comes in and, as a help meet, helps take care of the books. I've met some men that are just slobs. They're disorganized. They just don't seem to have their life going. I don't know how they make it from day to day. But their wife, as a help me, comes through. What a beautiful thing here to realize that instead of following the world's philosophy of saying, you know what, I don't need that other, uh, I don't need men, I don't need women, I don't need it. No, there's an interconnectedness here. But the third thing I want you to notice here is that the philosophy of this world has centered its attention around the gaining of things and being someone and it's affected the issue of women in the workplace. We're told today that women need to make it in the world. There seems to be a such downplay on having children. But may I say to you today, don't ever let the world tell you that you're not doing something productive by having children and being a help to your husband. Now, as we kind of parse this out, because I realize in life, not everything always gets put in a nice, neat little box, does it? You say, well, preacher, I'm not married, and I don't have any children. Or I am married, and I can't have any children. What am I as a help meet now to my husband? Well, can I say that if you're married, you naturally are a compliment, you're a help meet to your husband. 
But if you're not married, God has placed you around you, maybe in a community, in a church community, and God is giving you a nurturing aspect, a caring aspect, and that makes you special as a woman. Some of the greatest teachers I have met have been single ladies. Some of the greatest spiritual mothers that I've seen in local churches who have been older ladies who have simply tried to help the younger ladies grow in the things of God. Some older ladies have a such, ni- such a nice way of encouraging people in the things of God. And so may I say to you today that every woman is defined by her womanhood, not her marital status. So you do have this aspect of being able to say, you know what, I, I am responsive. I can be a help. I may not be married, but I can help within the church. I can help uh, along with the, the leadership of the church. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, well, you know, I'm married, but my husband won't lead. Well, I want to encourage you to prayerfully and, and, and graciously encourage him. But as a wife who finds yourself in this predicament, don't take the lead for him. You know why many wives get frustrated, why they find themselves tired many times? is because they are doing too much leading and not enough helping as God has called them to. So a lot of other issues that we could deal with, but first thing I want you to see is God letting us know twice, a help meet, that a woman is responsive. She's there as a helper. Second thing I want you to notice is that a woman is relational. Relational. Again, how interesting the story of Genesis 2 unfolds. Adam's naming the animals, realizes there's no counterpart for him. Then God makes Eve from Adam and brings her to him. And right there, God performs, if you will, the first wedding. And these two are united in a beautiful relationship. What do you think the first words were spoken? (laughs) I, I thought about that today. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us. But you know, it's amazing to me that God created Eve for the express purpose of providing a relationship to Adam. Think about that. Again, Adam's naming all these animals. That's not for me, that's not for me, that's not for me. Felt alone. God takes and makes Eve out of him and brings her to him. And finally he realizes, there's my counterpart. There's a relationship. She was made for the express purpose of providing a relationship. And therefore, what I realize about women is, women have this relational capacity about them that you and I as men don't understand. (laughs) It's part of a woman's DNA to want to connect. This is why girls love to talk for hours. And don't need an activity to keep them busy like we men do. Women love to sit and tell everything about every situation and talk about their feelings associated with that situation. And they long to feel heard and understood. And then when a, woman, when a man comes in and he says, look, let me tell you how to do this, a woman feels hurt by it. Because she's like, he doesn't understand me. That relational aspect. Women get frustrated. 
They don't primarily use the language that we use as a means for solution finding because they're all about relational connecting. Women blossom in relationships and can provide a relational environment that nurtures others where they feel welcome and where they feel cared for. Again, there are exceptions sometimes due to the fact that not every woman is married. But I want to remind you that single womanhood is not a curse. Neither does it cause you to be lacking in God's favor, but for those whom God has called to be single, it is a gift from God. Read 1 Corinthians 7. Single women can still use their God-given gifts as relational creatures to help advance the kingdom of God. Third thing I want to see, and again, I'm just giving these things to you. Hopefully you can study these out later. Third thing, what a woman is, I believe, according to this passage, is a woman is reflective. That is, she's a reflection, if you will. There's two ways in which a woman is a reflection. First, woman is a reflector of man as she submits to the headship of man within the context of a marriage relationship, within the context of the leadership within a church. Is it not interesting that, again, God brought Eve to the man and He named her? He called her woman. What did He do with all the other animals? Named them, showing, if you will, His headship. Here in naming woman, showing His headship. Now, again, not headship to cause her to be subservient or make it sound like woman is lesser than man. It just teaches that God has an original design in how He put men and women together. Women are to be responsive to the male leadership. That begins with fathers, listening to fathers at home and obeying fathers. That extends then to when a woman gets married to the relationship with her spouse and then beyond that to the male headship which governs the local church. My friend, I want to tell you, women thrive when following the leadership that God has provided and staying within the order that God has established. Now, I'm not saying here that women are incapable of quality leadership. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that women cannot lead in any capacity. It doesn't mean that women are incompetent. I don't mean that at all. But there's something special about the beauty of God's order of creation. And you and I should note the responsiveness that a woman should have does not mean that women must or should should submit to all men. Sadly, there are godless men who have no authority and are ineligible to lead others. The call for submission in women is appropriate only within the specific scriptural context that are given. And so... Woman is a reflector, if you will, that is of the man who she was brought to. But more important than that, she's a reflector of God. Again, taking Genesis 1 and 2 together, here's what I see is that God created them, male and female. They were created in the image of God. God made her and He made her in His image. And therefore, when it comes to women, it's important that you understand that God created you uniquely, God created you specially, and you don't have to take your cue from how you ought to be, how you ought to act, what type of woman you ought to be. Don't take your cue from the world.
Follow what God has given you. Be what God has made you to be. Again, when we think of what God has made you to be, we think of all the outwardness of the beauty. Just step into any grocery store and see the magazines that are telling you, you can use this makeup and have your hair done this way and do this and that, and everything's all about the beauty. And I'm not against all that. There's nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't make you who you are. You look at the New Testament, and I, I'm not going to take time tonight to go to the passages, but you could go to 1 Peter chapter 3, you could go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10, Proverbs chapter 31, the virtuous woman in verse number 30, and you can understand that yes, there is a beauty on the outside, but that's all vain. There is something greater of the inside. And how important it is for you to have that quality of a nature that is in tune with God and His Word, a person who loves God. And you may not have all the fanciest clothes, and you may not have and dress in the latest styles, and you may not have your hair done like this particular person, but I'm telling you, there is a beauty in a woman who fears the Lord and who loves God. It's beauty. And in that way, you are a reflector of God. Tonight I conclude with this thought. We live in a society where the family is being destroyed. It's decreasing in its stability. And it's important today, this morning we talk to men, specifically fathers, but it's important today that we have women who will forsake the worldly definitions of what a woman is and embrace the identity that God has bestowed upon you, that is, that you are daughters of God. As women of God, operate out of what God has given to you and embrace every aspect of it. How important to submit to God and His design. And find the joy in your life by obeying and by embracing who you truly are before Him.